Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4045 of The Bugle, the world's only and longest-running audio newspaper for this quite visibly visual world. The newscast that fearlessly looks truth square in the face and says, no, not for me. I (laughs) am Andy Zaltzman, freelance warlord. Uh, Business, I will admit, is far from brisk in South London. I am considering relocating offshore. And I am joined this week by representatives of both of the world's two greatest latitudinally defined hemispheres. Firstly, joining me here in London, from the Northern Hemisphere, it's the man who is to the bugle what Queen Elizabeth II is to wrestling a rhinoceros, in that he does it about once a month and does it very well. It's Nish Kumar! Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. I was very excited to know where that Elizabeth analogy was going. I mean, it could have gone in so many different ways. It could have gone in so many different ways. Given that you and I have both modelled our haircuts after that particular queen. Yeah, well, absolutely. It could have gone in any direction. I I wear my patriotism squarely on parts of my head. Um, (laughs) All of my head these days, but anyway... um, so welcome. Uh, it's been a while since you've. Well, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. I've been. Uh, it's been a bit of a tricky week for me, Andy. Yeah. I was the victim of a cyber attack. Were you? Yes. Right. Uh, basically, uh, I've got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old cousin, and they have worked out that they are able to edit my Wikipedia page. <laughs> and so, without wishing to lose perspective on these things, all hell has broken loose. <laughs> My uh, Wikipedia page lists me as Nishant, and then in inverted commas, Nish Kumar, because Nishant is my full name. Uh, that quickly became Nishant Madam Lily Kumar. Uh, <laughs> which, who of weighs... course, is only your wrestling name. Yeah, which it? is, of course, only my... My wrestling name is Chocolate Poison, Andy, and I think you, you and I both knew that. Uh, but uh, it, they started calling me Madam Lily about six years ago. Uh, and uh, uh, Alex, you might be able to help me with this because uh, I they are from Australia and I'd assumed that it was a character in an Australian TV show. And then my uncle told me, no, it's not. They've just made up a no. weird character called Madam Lily. Right. Uh, they also alleged that I weighed... <laughs> was that not a Lou Reed song? <laughs> she, well, Madam Lily was one of the characters in Walk on the Wild Side, yes. <laughs> but it was. they also alleged that I weighed a total of 7 million billion kilograms. <laughs> Thus putting me uh, at the weight of a small star. Right. Um, they were swiftly <laughs> How war- very appropriate. Which is what you are, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were both given a swift warning by Wikipedia, right. uh, which they didn't really care about because they were too busy laughing in my face. <laughs> but unfortunately, in the melee, someone else in the process doctored my Wikipedia page to say that I appeared in season two of E4's Tattoo Fixers, uh, in which I had a tattoo that I had done on a lad's holiday to La Rochelle covered up. The original tattoo was of a crudely drawn stick man with a speech bubble saying a sexual swear word positioned on his inner thigh. He then had it covered with a picture of a wolf in a hat and trousers. That is still on Wikipedia! (laughs) (laughs) I do not understand how that website's filtration system has not I mean, Andy, yeah. Wikipedia is uh, f- fact. The niche. This means you have to actually get that tattoo now. That's the law. Yeah, I mean, we need it's to the check. Law of the internet, we do huh? need to check whether whether this is in fact uh, fact true. Uh, Are you Mish- asking Mr. Andres? <laughs> if you do the honours. Oh my God! We should move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm never moving on from this. <laughs> and, uh, well, you've already heard her on the other end of the line before she's even been introduced from the Southern Hemisphere. Currently in Los Angeles, the city of angels, although it appears some non-angels have infiltrated that city. Uh, it's Alice Fraser. Hello, Andy. I am in a hotel room in Los Angeles in a robe because some irrational part of my psyche believes that my pyjamas are unsuitable for radio. Right. Uh, you know, it's just, just difficult. As you know, Andy, I'm sure it's difficult doing comedy with your waps out. So Testify, uh, sister. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in much a, nudity so early on in this podcast. In a break with tradition, I'm actually doing the bugle clothed now. <laughs> after tattoo gate. <laughs> Uh, so what are you uh, what are you doing in in Los Angeles? Are you voicing a Smurfs movie? <laughs> <laughs> Surely, I wish Andy. Just a matter of time for both of you, based on previous bugle. I can't wait ever. to be the first brown Smurf. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was my wrestling name, Brown Smurf. I apologise. Well, there's only one lady Smurf, you know. Is really? that true? Which must be very uncomfortable for her. Did wait. she marry into it as well? <laughs> Marry Lord Smurf. I don't understand. How can there only be one Lady Smurf? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's like just... Queen Bee, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> um, Andy, don't tell me you haven't watched your friend and former co-workers. Look, I have it queued up. <laughs> once I've once I've watched the Love Guru, I will move straight on to Smurfs One. Even I've seen the Love Guru. <laughs> <laughs> but that's only because it was such a valuable and honest representation of my culture. <laughs> Wasn't there a period at Andy's live shows where people actually used to give you copies yeah, I do of have, the Smurfs to I make do you have watch a, it? Well, no, I have two copies of The Love Guru on uh, <laughs> on DVD. One legitimate, one pirated. <laughs> which I believe is the only pirated copy of The Love Guru in existence. <laughs> Well, appropriately enough, that brings us on to this week's uh, section in the bin. Today's the uh, the 6th of October, so this is the bugle for the week being in the 9th of October. On the 6th of October 1927 was the opening of The Jazz Singer, the first prominent talkie movie, um, in uh, which, of course, laid the foundations for The Love Guru and The Smurfs, uh, movies <laughs> with words being spoken in. And uh, so we have a special bugle film section going in the bin. And, well, it's October, and therefore all eyes turn to the ancient Christian festival of Halloween, um, which we may have erroneously reported in previous bugles as having its origin in Jesus' teenage years, when as a 15-year-old trying out a new miracle, he turned his friend Isaac's head into a pumpkin. That has now been disproven. Um, but anyway, Halloween fi- films uh, films uh, coming out, uh, and we preview this year's smash hit Halloween films, including... Pumpkle Stiltskin, a live-action modernised adaptation of their classic Brothers Grim Fairy Tale in which a large, angry, orange vegetable blackmails a young female city trader called Miller who has been promised she'll be made partner of the firm uh, and the boss's wife if she can spin worthless tech stock into multi-million dollar profits. Pumpkle Stiltskin helps Miller work the markets in exchange for her first-born child, which, as a city trader, she isn't that fussed about. She hands over the child willingly to Pumpkle Stiltskin, and the rest of the film follows the giant pumpkin newborn baby unlikely double act as the cranky squash zooms around the states trying to avoid having his insides ripped out, a crude face carved into his skin, and candles stuffed inside him. Bugle rating... Two stars. Uh, also, <laughs> count it, Chris. This is the bugle record for the fastest I have had my head in my hands. <laughs> also, 
Trick or Treat, classic medical blackmail thriller in which a rogue doctor on Halloween night threatens to infect the president with the infectious roundworm-influenced disease trichinosis unless he provides him with access to the transient reactor test facility, or as it's known for short, TREAT, the renowned graphite-moderated thermal spectrum test nuclear reactor in Idaho. Um, I mean, that's, that's really got to be worth seeing. And White House Witch... Uh, in which an evil witch named Skrakita takes possession of the soul of the president and makes him do a series of outlandish and horrifying things. That is all set to be one of the classic modern documentaries and was filmed over the first eight months of this year. Uh, also in the Bugle film section, an exclusive interview with the star-young British director Grallard Holliston about his forthcoming smash hit movie, The Prince of Tides, a remake of the Oscar-nominated 1991 Barbara Streisand classic. <laughs> <laughs> Holy mother of God, you apply. Playing fast and loose with the word classic there, Andrew. And finally, uh, in the bin, as uh, films get more and more expensive to uh, see in cinemas, we give you tips on how to save money. Are you keen to see the latest action blockbuster but don't want to fork out cinema prices? Simply close your eyes, imagine another action blockbuster that you've seen before for 90 minutes or so, but with a slightly faster chase scene, bigger explosions and even shiter dialogue. There you go. You've saved yourself 20 quid. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, this is the bugle for the 6th of October. Um, uh, some historic anniversaries. In 1582, this day did not exist <laughs> in large parts of Europe because of the implementation of the Gregorian calendar. Italy, Poland, Portugal, and Spain all skipped the 6th of October. Is that true? Yep. Uh, well, in fact, they skipped from the they went straight from the 4th to the 15th. Thursday, the 4th of October, 1582, was followed by Friday, the 15th of October. 1582. Really? They made up the lag due to the inaccurate measurement of years. Where are you getting that information from? Because that's bear a, in mind... That's a well-known fact. Is it really? That is a well-known fact. I yeah. hope it's not Wikipedia, because bear in mind that website currently says I've got a tattoo with a stick man <laughs> shouting also, the C word. And, well, I mean, this is the great tradition of uh, Bugle Wikipedia editions, uh, dating back to... I mean, it was right within the first couple of months, I think, we encouraged our listeners to get a bit creative with the Bugle <laughs> Wikipedia page. And... Um, there are some relics of that still lurking around <laughs> nooks of the internet, including me being listed as a bassoon player on a Boney M album. <laughs> um. Well, I'll again throw open the doors uh, to all buglers to do your worst with yes. my Wikipedia page. Well, I mean, you can have another go at the Bugle page, I think, yeah. but they're slightly hotter on that kind of thing than uh, they used to be. I've but... only recently got a Wikipedia page, right? so I'm still sort of in awe of the fact that I exist on the internet. I'm very excited by it. Buglers, consider that an open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> see if you could do any. See if you can get banned quicker than a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. <laughs> Not that uh, Wikipedia isn't obviously a massively useful source of information, like you say. Yes. Uh, your mention of the film Trick or Treat earlier on. Yeah. About uh, the risk of trichinosis, uh, yep. the risk of death from infection is actually low. Right. So yeah. why would you... I mean, I'm not trying to pick holes in your plot. Look, mate... But, but why, why would... My plot? I'm just playing the... People I'm, just need a hook. I cannot believe the number of hours, Chris, that you have sat and listened to Andy, and this is the first qualm you've had. <laughs> Everyone has their breaking point. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the CIA and the FBI have known for years. Um, it says low risk of death! <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a plot hole! Chris has snapped. Oh, 
I think you might have snapped last week. On that <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> 1580, France uh, followed uh, skipping its uh, skipping the 11 days to bring the calendar up to date later in 1582, along with what is now Belgium and Holland. But Britain only adopted the Gregorian calendar in 1752. Classic. We hung on to the Julian calendar for another 170 years. And do not think now, we have to ask... Given the age of Brexit that we live in, is it time for Britain to ditch this Euro <laughs> calendar that we never got a chance to vote for and go back to the Julian calendar that made this country great? Yes, Andy. British time for British people, by which I mean slightly behind everyone else. <laughs> um, I'm not calendar have some... means calendar. Calendar means calendar. Exactly, Alice. I'm not having some unelected Eurocrat tell me what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> and on this day in 1974, 43 years ago today, a little boy was born in London, England, uh, who would go on to be reading the sentence to you. Yes, it's my 43rd birthday today. Um, Is it your birthday it's today? It's my birthday today. I've let slip my... Uh, let How slip, was that? Happy birthday. I've let slip my date of birth, um, which... Uh, I'm in showbiz, that's a big mistake. Let's say I was born on the 6th of October 1984. I'm young and I'm ripped. Um, and if any of you are trying to hack into my bank accounts... My mother's maiden name is Alma Hamady. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Top story this week. And uh, Theresa May has given one of the greatest speeches (laughs) in the history of the art of rhetoric. Uh, Nish, as our official Theresa May speech correspondent, what did did you... Just bring the buglers up to date in case they missed the glory it was. Alice, Andy, we've all had bad gigs. We've all we're all stand-up comedians. We've all had bad gigs. I'm thinking specifically in the case of me and Andy, Aldershot 2012, and a gig I did about six months ago where a man used the phrase "you sir are a," <laughs> but which really invalidated his use of the word "sir." Yes. Yeah. But this was something else. Theresa May was giving a speech at the Tory party conference, uh, which is uh, a sort of annual gathering that every political party has. Party conference itself, something of a contradiction in terms, <laughs> a little bit like fun audit, soothing nutshot, or President Trump. But <laughs> it's where an annual gathering of the political party, and this is a big opportunity for Theresa May. She's had a, a rough old time of it largely through circumstances of her own making. But this was an opportunity for her to set the record straight, re-establish herself as a dominant leader of the party and prime minister of this country. And uh, I believe the technical term for what happened next was she f***ed it right up the shitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my word. Uh, It was the speech was an abject uh, disaster. I mean, I I don't even know where to start with this. I guess we have to start with the fact that she had a coughing fit, uh, which resulted in her having to stop the speech in the middle and the Chancellor Philip Hammond having to climb over a couple of seats to deliver a cough suite to her. Uh, It resulted in several pauses in the speech, which uh, the Tory party faithful desperately tried to fill by giving her an impromptu standing ovation. (laughs) I mean, that is the living definition of an easy gig, getting a standing (laughs) ovation just because you her a standing ovation or were they giving her coughing fit a standing ovation? <laughs> it's actually difficult to say given the behaviour of some of them in the week leading up to the speech uh, and also the speech was then interrupted by uh, comedian and prankster Simon Brodkin who had managed to get fully accredited uh, as a party member and managed to get down the front during the Prime Minister's speech and hand her a fake P45 form, essentially informing her that she was going to be fired. Uh, And as he was led away by the police, who 
presumably were out having a sandwich for the previous 15 <laughs> minutes. Uh, as he was being led away, uh, he was shouting, Boris told me to do it uh, because of the various leadership sort of challenges that Boris Johnson appears to have been issued in coded messages in national newspapers. All in all, a total cluster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's in terms of... Speech is going shitly bingo. She was uh, <laughs> she was really maxing out straight up. I she? mean, the question we all are asking is, did she shit herself? Right. Because that's the only way. <laughs> that's the only way it could have been any worse, is if she just fully shit herself. Right. I mean, I did expect it once... Well, you mentioned the police. I think they were probably distracted by being about to storm the stage and <laughs> arrest Theresa May to stop her attacking herself anymore. <laughs> she, was, she was... She, I mean, she was posing a clear threat to the Prime Minister. <laughs> that is her biggest problem. It's not challenges from within her own party. It's not the actions of stand-up comedians. Nobody undermines Theresa May more than Theresa May. <laughs> I just think it's a natural consequence of what happens when you do a seance and invite the angry spirits of conservatives past to inhabit you. She's <laughs> literally embodying the state of British politics with the ghosts of dead, gouty old politicians clearing their throats disapprovingly through her hollow flesh prison. <laughs> that is the best explanation I've yet heard yeah. for that. that is, no, one has cut, uh, no one has got closer than you, Alice, to explaining what went on. <laughs> and then the sort of, I mean... The shit cherry on the faecal cake was <laughs> during the speech. Uh, there was a backdrop uh, that said, uh, I think it said building a better country for everyone. And during her speech, the F in for everyone fell off. <laughs> the only way that could have gone better is if the O had fallen out of the country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, arguably, that would have at least been funny. This just looked vaguely threatening. Also, I, and I cannot emphasise this enough, F off. The F fell off. If you put that in a play script or a film script, you would be accused of a heavy-handedness beyond belief. Well, this makes me think, there was no way these letters falling off was genuinely accidental. <laughs> There is no... Um, for a start, let's listen to some of the explanations given. Yeah. I heard one, one Conservative saying that the reason they fell off was because there had been too many standing ovations. <laughs> <laughs> but they might as well have said the letters simply swooned at the raw political eroticism of another quarter of falling unemployment figures. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It's, um, that is the, oh, no, you're too good at sex. We have to stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Politics. There's no way. Have you ever seen a letter fall off a backdrop before no. during a speech? No, no never. No. That was about as accidental as Laurel and Hardy dropping that piano down, down those steps. That was more orchestrated <laughs> than a room full of 18 violinists, some cellists, some clarinetists, some trumpeters, some flautists. A couple, I think you know where this joke is going. But anyway, the point, there's no way this could have been accidental. Someone is clearly out to him and probably hadn't thought, oh, she's probably going to have a massive coughing fit and be stage invaded by a comedian as well. So probably in itself, that would have been a used to a nice little, oh, look at that, it's a bit, bit crap. I think you've missed the key point here, Andy, right. it, which is that clearly they should have got a Polish workman to put that sign up. <laughs> the great irony. The great <laughs> irony. They, they tried to buy British and ended up with slapdash work. <laughs> but, I mean, you think of all the times letters could have fallen off backdrops and haven't. You know, Joseph Stalin, he had huge crowds at a lot of his gigs. Did he ever end up 
standing in front of a, <laughs> of letters on a wall saying the Union of Soviet A-list pubics. Did, <laughs> no, no. Yes, and he had you know, 500... Because Kim Jong-un finished one of his gigs standing in front of All Hail, Dear Leader, Commander-in-Chef, who descended from the <laughs> Lever of the County. And he's had 500,000 people marching... At the same time, whilst <laughs> nuclear test blasting underneath the stage, probably. Um, well, actually, uh, just to correct your facts a little bit there, Andy, his his name was originally King, Kim Jong Un. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just he just wrote it out. <laughs> just doubled down. He styled it out. <laughs> it was, oh, it, I mean, it was a complete disaster from yeah. start to finish. And there are now serious questions being asked of the conference security uh, because uh, Simon Brodkin, who is a comedian who I imagine is known to you yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I, he's, we, uh, I think he might even be one of the many comedians who have at one point been my support act and gone on to really? bigger and better things. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he, well, he certainly really fluffed his slot supporting Theresa May. Yeah. He, I think uh, he did gigs with him when he was quite new on the circuit, but he's, yeah. I mean, he's got quite a history of... Uh... He does, yeah, because he uh, he was actually caught at FIFA throwing money at Seth Blatter. I think he tried to pull a prank on Donald Trump. Yeah, he but... gave him swastika emblazoned golf ball. That's right. His, uh, Scottish golf So uh, apparently, according to reports emerging in the last couple of days, he used his real name on his accreditation. Yes. So nobody bothered Googling him. And somehow he managed to get so close to the Prime Minister that he could hand her a piece of paper without anyone sort of rugby tackling him. I mean, I know that there are several British stand-up comedians who would like to see Simon Brodkin get rugby tackled, <laughs> but that's mainly due to the fact that he is notorious for overrunning his slot at mixed bill gigs. <laughs> but it is a genuine concern that he was, A, able to get in in the first place and, B, able to get within touching distance of the Prime Minister. And what's worse is that she took the form from him. <laughs> she actually accepted the heckle. Right. <laughs> I mean, his impact was slightly reduced uh, as a as a piece of uh, as a piece of you know, performance satire by a number yeah. of factors. Firstly, the fact that Mrs. May was already being satirised by her own throat, <laughs> just <laughs> physically mimicking this spluttering incoherence and unconvincingment of her government's Brexit strategy. And the fact that Boris Johnson's signature on the P forty five was clearly faked. Yeah. That, I mean, that's you know they could have just they could have just got an image of it. You can get his his his, his yeah. autograph on the internet, uh, along with his mother's maiden name and his uh, childhood pet. That was a neutral <laughs> storm. And uh, you can have a reasonable stab at his password too. I reckon it's probably King Boris the first. With uh, I, I, eyes as well. I strongly suspect Boris's password is considerably more racist than that. <laughs> Uh, and the P forty five form—that's the form you get given when you're you're uh, you're, um, you're sacked, basically, by your, your employer. Ironically, P forty five was also the sixteenth option in a multiple choice quiz at the Tory conference, <laughs> and answered the question: How many more days will Theresa May be prime minister? For? <laughs> P forty five. People said you, this speech was described as a car crash. I think that gives the wrong impression of speed. And modernity. <laughs> it was more like someone driving a horse-drawn Victorian hearse, carrying a coffin full of heavy rocks, very slowly <laughs> and deliberately into a swamp. <laughs> the perfect visual metaphor for Brexit, Britain. <laughs> we, okay, so look, she had a cough. You can't help that. That happens to everyone. She was a victim of a prank. You can't help that. That happens the, the to cough, everyone. Though, Can I just interrupt you? Yeah. That, that, to me, sounded like she was... It was a kind of... <clears throat> Kind of 
trying to remind someone to do something. I think <laughs> she had a big set piece planned. I think she was saying <clears throat> the increased rate of uh, of employment <clears throat> provides young hope uh, provides hope to the young people of Britain. <clears throat> Come on, you fucking idiots! You missed your cue to release the fucking flock of fucking parakeets. <clears throat> Sorry, my mistake. Are you suggesting she was queuing Brodkin in and he was late? Oh, maybe not Brod. I think she was definitely queuing in the parakeets. <laughs> Come on, get the P45 on. I haven't got enough stuff. All publicity is good publicity. The uh, the actual content of the speech itself was oh, as bad as its delivery. <laughs> well, she kept on banging on about the British dream, uh, which yeah. is, was clearly the sort of buzzword of the conference or what they were trying to get the buzzword across as. But the British dream, I think she was trying to invoke the idea of the American dream, but it's not something we really have in our cultural conversation. We don't really identify what the British dream involves. We? Well, I mean, I, I have okay. now identified what we want the British dream to involve. Right. If you really want to engage with the British public by establishing the idea of a British dream, what it involves is mild weather, punctual public transport, a hotline specifically designed for you to call in and have someone listen to your minor complaints, <laughs> a tacit agreement that sex whilst undeniably fun, should never be spoken of in public <laughs> and the ability to get blind drunk without any hangovers. That truly is the British dream. I think you've misrepresented it, Nish. I would also add to that, whilst those are all valid parts of it, that is not the complete British dream. I would also add picnics with marmalade, <laughs> um, people singing hymns before looking at a daffodil and eating a scone. <laughs> scone. At some point, producing a two-footed midfielder who's comfortable getting and giving the ball in tight spaces. <laughs> And the merciless commercial exploitation of Africa and Asia. That, those are the British dreams, Nish, as you should well know. <laughs> I'm living the British dream right now. I was under the impression that British people didn't dream at all, that they just sort of regretted colonies past. Uh, Alice, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> if by regretted colonies past you mean regretted not having the colonies we had in the past, then yes, that is exactly oh, that is what, definitely what I meant. That is... <laughs> One hundred percent. Oh, wasn't it good when we owned <laughs> India? That kind of thing. Yeah, bad luck, lads. Um, there were some interesting tips uh, on how to deal with a, a, a croaky voice. Yeah. During a during a performance, the um, the famous Radio Four uh, announcer Neil Nunes, who has one of the most distinctive. And absurdly deep radio voices you will ever hear. Um, yes, he does. He tweeted that the prime minister should have spoken more softly. Gone for a slightly more late night tone, uh, suggesting take a take a moment, pause, drink, and it'll come back. Very much the Boris Yeltsin technique. <laughs> <laughs> well, answer yourself this, Salt. Did Boris Yeltsin ever fail to complete a speech? Judge him by his results. What apart from didn't he spend thirty six hours asleep on an aeroplane at one point? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, con- a confidence coach on the, was reported on the BBC website suggesting that she should have hummed to warm up her vocal cords, <laughs> which would have been great in the middle of the speech, wasn't it? <clears throat> hang on, hang on, everyone. Before I get to the stuff about post-Brexit trade, oh, that's better. Right, let's go. <laughs> And she also the, uh, the confidence coach also suggested the best thing to do is to release your shoulders, ground your feet, and slightly bend your knees, which are also the instructions <laughs> you're supposed to give a chicken before it lays an egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, it, this is such a shit show. We are so <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Another explanation for the coughing is that I think she was doing a classic kind of. Bullshit cough. You know, she was calling bullshit on herself. <laughs> 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 bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. 
Are you suggesting Theresa May is in like a Doctor Strange Love situation? Gollum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Theresa May has defended her decision not to sack Boris Johnson for making public demands about her Brexit policy, arguing that she does not want a cabinet of yes men and saying that she was showing strong leadership by having a diverse range of voices around the cabinet table. Sure, if by diverse you mean out of shape old white <laughs> men who agree on most things but occasionally have an ego fueled tantrum about exactly how best to screw over the country. <laughs> Also, as a side note, if you have to say you're strong, showing strong leadership, you probably are. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you want somebody else saying for you. Perhaps some sort of yes-men characters. <laughs> or, you know, ideally it should be indicated by actual evidence. So it's a bit like an excessive display of devotion to a spouse. Yeah. Generally the sign that something dodgy's going on. <laughs> I mean, the Taj Mahal just looks Oh, yeah. Weird. If you're happy on Instagram, you're not happy in real life. <laughs> uh, Boris said some extraordinary, th- extraordinary things, which is why people are calling for him to be sacked. Uh, some slightly curious comments he made about the Libyan city of Sirte, which he said, uh, British business people have got a brilliant vision to turn Sirte into the next Dubai. Um, reach for the stars. And um, the only thing they've got to do is clear the dead bodies away before laughing, um, apparently. Uh, yeah, and being received with laughter by the people in that room. It's quite an extraordinary audio recording. Yeah. I mean, that is as good a reason to fire the... <laughs> like that is that he should be bounced back to his original job, which I guess is either rugby tackling children or being our worst national stereotype. <laughs> in uh, tragically predictable American news, a man has opened fire on a crowd in Las Vegas in what uh, www.massshootingtracker.org counts as the 273rd mass shooting in America this year. Uh, I like that that website exists, and by like I mean it makes me cry that that website exists. Uh, with 456, 546 people wounded and 69 dead in October alone, this makes October the bumper month for this year, despite it only having been October for a week. I think gun control is the the hideous mullet on the head of America, which large portions of the country insist really suits them. <laughs> Talking about gun control in America is like... Awkwardly trying to suggest they should probably get a better haircut, but they're all like, my founding dad says it makes me look pretty. (laughs) I think if Sandy Hook was not enough to make Americans change their mind about guns, nothing else will. It's like you've gone on a first date and they've already thrown up on you, called their ex-girlfriend toxic, told you about their criminal record, reminisced about that time they were abducted by aliens and and mentioned some severe erectile dysfunction (laughs) issues and you've decided to take them home anyway, only to find out that they have extremely disconcerting body hair grooming choices. It's upsetting, but you can hardly be surprised. It's completely insane to love guns, but the heart wants what the heart wants, and the heart can have what the heart wants, especially if what the heart wants is a bullet in it. <laughs> now, without wishing to go on too much of a limb and acknowledging that as as a British person, I cannot fully understand the rights and wrongs of ignoring deeply harrowing gun death statistics for political and economic reasons, nor... Have I ever felt the deep, freedom fueled joy of communing with my forebears across the centuries by unloading a semi-automatic at a shooting range? So, we can't really relate to this. But the evidence does, without wishing to jump the 300 million guns, seem to be mounting up that maybe, just maybe, uh, America needs to reassess the optimum number of annual slayings it should be trying, trying to achieve. And even the NRA, in the wake of this latest horrific atrocity appear to be slightly softening their stance on mass death for all. 
Um, the, not truly, before time. they are the humanitarians. None of us think they f***ing <laughs> are. <laughs> I think in a country where everyone has guns and it doesn't look like they're likely to decide to put them in the bin, it makes sense that you would also want a gun because everyone has guns and they're all completely terrifying. I talked to a taxi driver here who told me he was an actor and he's never got a role even though he's been in LA for 25 years trying to be an actor. If that guy can have zero grip on reality and access to a gun, I also want to have a gun. (laughs) The uh, NRA's uh, CEO, Wayne Lapierre, which is uh, unusually... Gallic name for someone who claims to be upholding American freedom uh, was uh, interviewed on uh, Fox, obviously. Uh, and he, instead of sort of naming the Democrats, he went quite specific and consistently named Schumer and Feinstein before going on to criticise the monsters in Chicago. Now, that could not be more of a dog whistle if he was literally blowing a dog whistle. Like, he's criticising two of the most Jewish-sounding Democrats and the monsters in the largely African-American city of Chicago. F*** you, Wayne LaPierre. (laughs) Obviously, you you cannot legislate for murderous lunatics other than through legislation (laughs) to make their their murderous lunacy much more logistically difficult to carry out. But, But other than that... But with hindsight, if only the amendment mongers in the 18th century had been a little more far-sighted and added uh, a subclause saying, "Obviously, guys, use your f-ing common sense." <laughs> if only, if only that. Fortunately, however, they were wise enough not to add a second and a half th- amendment guaranteeing, in unquestioning perpetuity, the right to eat delicious unpasteurised cheeses, uh, which are, uh, to uh, most intents and purposes, illegal in America. <laughs> Which has saved hundreds of thousands, if not trillions, of Americans from being slain by intensely flavoured camemberts, or the soul-enhancing depth of a prime mimolette, or even a cave-aged combat-strength cabrales from the rugged mountains of northern Spain. A cheese that can turn a boy into a man, and a man into a cow-sheep-goat-crossbreed supermilk cheesenimal. <laughs> so, I mean, it's lucky. It does, they do sort of slightly got those two priorities wrong for me. And I... I mean, I do know a lot more about unpasteurised cheese than I do know about semi-automatic firearms. Andy, I don't think you understand yep. the, the American psyche. If they allowed unpasteurised cheeses, people would be inventing attachments to their cheese dispenser that would shoot <laughs> thousands of rounds of unpasteurised cheese into their mouth at a time. Right. Uh, Alice, just so you know, that last image has caused Andy to sort of glaze over wistfully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My greatest unpasteurised cheese moment. <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> this could be a new regular section on the bugle. The day uh, my wife and I discovered that that she was pregnant for the first time, we went to uh, celebrate at a very fine restaurant in South London. And uh, I ordered the unpasteurised cheese board for dessert. And she had to watch me eat. <laughs> oh, my God! A platter of superlative cheeses. Did you wash it down with a full bottle of pork? <laughs> <laughs> On top of the situation in Las Vegas, uh, the uh, there's the ongoing crisis in Puerto Rico. This truly has been a tough week for the 45th president, both in chronology and quality. The, I mean, he Trump really is making like Bush look like FDR or Harrison Ford in Air Force One, who I think we can all agree are the two greatest presidents of all time. Uh, after a lot of prevaricating, uh, Trump has finally gone to Puerto Rico. Um, and good news, he went. 
and didn't call it Porto Richo. So that is (laughs) immediately one in the W column. All upside. (laughs) Bad news. Uh, The Washington Post, this is a verbatim extract of their reporting of his time. Trump passed out yellow bags of rice and then started tossing rolls of towels into the crowd as if he was shooting free throws. The crowd laughed and cheered him on. When he contemplated doing the same with cans of chicken, the crowd gently told him no. (laughs) He had to be informed that it was not a good idea to fling tin cans at a crowd of people who have been forcibly evacuated from their homes due to a hurricane. We are through the looking glass here. <laughs> what the f*** is going on? I don't know. What has happened? We're not just through the looking glass. I think we're smashing the looking glass in our own faces. <laughs> um, he Have also... you guys seen the video of this? Uh, yes. Uh, he seemed to be loving it, actually. He did seem to be loving it. I mean, too many exclamation marks on Twitter this week. <laughs> Far too much. I mean, that's, I mean, not the biggest gripe I have with him. <laughs> but in the aftermath of a massive tragedy, cut the exclamation marks. <laughs> He is uh, well. He basically went to Puerto Rico and fought natural disaster and human tragedy with his trademark trumpic brand of peevish irrelevance, political <laughs> onanism, and overt bitchcraft. <laughs> and uh, he has the um, he he dealt with the tragedy with the delicacy of touch and innate humanity of a giant industrial mincer processing a bucket full of kittens. <laughs> it was. Uh, and at one point even told Puerto Rico, you've thrown our budget a little out of oh, whack. God. I mean, he is, I mean, to be fair to him, a businessman to his core. <laughs> to a fault. And uh, to, a, to an enormous, enormous f***ing fault. Um, but I guess, the, as you say, the point is nothing, nothing is surprising anymore. No. I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have surprised me if at some point this week he just stood up on a platform and spoke to America and said... I had a dream last night in which I tried to f*** a dragon. He's an inverse Russian doll of f***ery. Every time you think he's reached the limit, out pops an even bigger <laughs> Oh! Yes, please! Oh. An inverse Russian doll of f***ery. <laughs> I, it's five o'clock in the morning here, and I'm going to go to sleep immediately after this after this podcast. And I'm going to dream of Trump trying to f- a track. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, Alice, how how are you finding this? Because I feel like if I heard that at five a.m., that would be like a double espresso shot. <laughs> I'm not sure how you go back to sleep after someone has used the phrase f-ing a dragon. <laughs> at least is... the dragon will be able to light your cigarette easily. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that Chris is having sex with the dragon in what appears to be a sitcom from the 90s. <laughs> uh, I would like to point out that in case any of you think we've been a little biased against Mr Trump on this show, uh, during this section, none of us were taking the knee. So it all balances out. And, you know, in my head, the dragon was a sexy dragon. So. <laughs> it was In your head, Alice, was the dragon was sort of asking for it, right? <laughs> No, 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 they were having tender mutual. Yeah. Look, I'm not. It's five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's too early for you to be thinking about Donald Trump having sex with a dragon. Yep. Arguably, it's too early for me to be thinking that, and it's one fifteen. <laughs> oh, car. He's a complete. <laughs>
And finally, uh, Bugle Science section. Um, science always provides respite from uh, reality. Yeah. Um, and uh, what? Well, well, it's been a huge <laughs> week for science this week with all the Nobel gongs being uh, handed out. Full updates on next week's Bugle with all the winners and losers forensically analysed by my guests, the no-time Nobel Prize-winning laureate, Hari Kondabolu. <laughs> um, I can tell you that uh, I mean, a few people missed out. Dr. Fruz Baybard um, missed out with uh, his theory that particles move faster if you shout abuse at them. <laughs> uh, massive potential implications for intergalactic travel on that one. Um, and uh, cause the Chinese have developed this special uh, laser gun that's like, 10 miles across out in the Gobi Desert that can uh, shout <laughs> more than 10 million light years. Um, <clears throat> Worthy winners. And uh, also, um, Dr Harbinger Lamout, um, he narrowly missed out on the gong for his research into when someone's body becomes too bootylicious for someone else. <laughs> uh, and he's finally found the key tipping point at which the lines of measured bootyliciousness and the ability to withstand and or tolerate bootyliciousness intersect. That features, of course, numerous variables related to the psychosexual makeup of the bootylicious receptor and the bootylician presentational skills of the booty licks. Which is, that is the name for a female exhibiting bootyliciousness, the boot, booty licks. But anyway, that... Um... Uh, Andy, we dumped other sections. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, the thing is, it's hot news. It won't last on next week. But in other science news, uh, I mean, some crucial science has come out this week from the Royal Society Open Science Journal that has discovered that captive-bred pheasants are 12 times more likely than other species to end up as roadkill. I mean, this surely is the greatest piece of science since Galileo discovered the sun or whatever it was he did. Uh, Alice, you're our pheasant correspondent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I mean, what's the lowdown on this? Uh, Dr. Joa Madden from the University of Exeter, who led the study, said what I think is the saddest sentence I've ever heard. Uh, said uh, because they've been reared in the absence of any adults, they have no one to show them how to live, and so they walk around and get killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Can we put some sad but, music uh, behind I that, applaud. please? Let's have some uh, over the rest of this section. <laughs> oh my God! Look, I, I applaud these suicidal birds. This is the ultimate f*** you to some toffee lord who wanted to brutally shoot you out of the sky. I think it's tragic. Pheasants are lovely birds with modest bearing and the misfortune to be delicious, unlike flamingos, who are arrogant, gangly, pink assholes with stupid beaks. Let it go, Alice! Let the flamingos go! I have no, look. Alice, what is your problem with flamingos? There's, there's, I've got no problem with flamingos, except that they're flamboyant, fluorescent swamp dwellers with knobbly knees and a bad attitude. <laughs> They're beady-eyed, haughty bog-stalkers with flashy plumage and bad breath, and they can go f*** themselves. Well, someone had to say it. The Flamin' Flamingo does stand for flamboyant. God, I've... They've had it too good for too yeah. long. Uh, we should probably hear uh, more on this story uh, next week. So uh, if you are a pheasant <laughs> and listening to this, please text us your views and do mark your envelope, pheasant. forget buglers my u.s tour begins on saturday sunday oh. don't forget buglers <laughs> ruthless don't forget ruthless self-promoter 
Don't forget, Buglers, my US tour begins on Sunday the 15th of October at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. Then in Phoenix, Arizona, or rather Phoenix-ish, Arizona-ish, having looked at a map, at the House of Comedy. That's on the 17th of October. Come on, Arizona, we share the same initials, uh, essentially. <laughs> then LA, uh, the Nerd Melts, where I was last year on the 19th and the 20th, and Portland on the 21st. Do come along to all of those gigs. Full tour details at andyzoltzman.co. Are you doing New York as well? Then Yes, they're after Toronto, Chicago, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Nashville and Washington, D.C. Then you can hang out with me on a flight to London if you want after that. Uh, do come along to those gigs, uh, please. Please, please do come along to those gigs. I cannot emphasise enough how much I need you to come along. That to is those a major gigs. US tour, Zoltzman. Yeah, You're like the Stones in 72. Yes. <laughs> yes. At this rate, yes. you'll be too big for this podcast, yeah. Andy. Uh, that does take a little while to uh, to take effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks to the Knight Foundation for making this podcast and the whole of Radiotopia possible. Is that all right, Chris? It's perfect. Right. You guys are the best. Keep that last bit in. <laughs> uh, you guys are. You, you guys are, would never have sex with a dragon. The best. <laughs> You're the best. Ironic, considering they're knights. <laughs> I don't think knights <laughs> Is dragons. that what they were trying to do with those lances? <laughs> <laughs> those weren't lances, Alice. <laughs> Anything you want to plug, Nish? Uh, yes. This is not sounding like you're too keen to plug. <laughs> oh, Wait. you can see uh, Nish and uh, and I at the live bugle in London on the 16th That's of November. That's right, we should definitely plug that. At Leicester Square Theatre. That is something I've f- omitted to plug until now. 16th of November. Oh, I'll be there. Yep. Yeah. Will you? I'm going to come and watch. Oh, yes. right. Are you going to be in to London, Andy? Oh, well, why don't you come and do the show? Yeah. This uh, right. Consider yourself booked. <laughs> right. <is> wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. This a live on-air booking. This is a shit show on every level. <laughs> Can we please wrap this up? Right. <laughs> right. We forgot to promote the live show and we booked one of the guests during another show. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's my birthday. <laughs> well, see you in November, Alice. See, see you in November. If you're in America, I'm doing stand-up gigs, or you can just listen to my podcast, which is nothing like this. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, my Radio Four show is also available as a podcast. It's called Spotlight Tonight. So find that on iTunes. And I'm doing stand-up shows at the Battersea Arts Centre on the 23rd and 24th of October. And there are tickets, which I'm sure. You can find. <laughs> wow. Online. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, I think we need to wrap that up and go home. Um, I'm going to eat a cake and watch some rugby. <laughs> so, Your dream birthday. Dream birthday. Thank you for listening, Buglers. Happy birthday, Andy. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Buglers, for all the cards. Much appreciated. Um, until next time, goodbye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.